Welcome back, welcome back everybody to the pre-admission game. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and across the table from me we have Mitch. How are you doing this evening, Mitch? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aaron. You are brimming with excitement about I'm season s- three of the pre-admission game. I'm absolutely oozing with, an, with yeah. excitement and, and <laughs> anticipation. Uh, Mitch. No, but seriously, it is lovely to be back, and it's wonderful to be back for, for season three. I don't think we anticipated three seasons of the pre-admission game, but here we are. Um, it's been a tough couple of years for the podcast in terms of the things that we have to overcome to get these recordings out to you guys, but uh, we've we've heard that it's it's fairly popular and useful and, and the people have asked and we are going to continue delivering as long as we can. That's right. We will continue doing this as long as y'all keep on listening. As long as you keep on. I mean, we, we joke, but that is the, the aim of the game, isn't it? To help you guys through the GAMSAT and give you something uh, reasonably entertaining to listen to. I mean, as entertaining as GAMSAT prep can Ab- actually be. Absolutely. Uh, so, Aaron, without further ado, what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, so the topic of the day is GAMSAT 2022. I mean, what else could it be? Um, and of course, we've had the March GAMSAT, and now we're going to talk about what happened. Um, this is a sort of traditional pre-admission game episode. We do an after-the-game piece where we sort of have a bit of a chat about what actually happened during this GAMSAT, what changed, what stayed the same, and we try to alleviate everybody's anxieties after a pretty grueling and, and uh, somewhat unexpected, I guess, test, especially if you're sitting it for the first time. Yeah, and we've, we've chatted about first-time GAMSATs previously, haven't mm-hmm. we, Mitch? Yeah. No, they are. They're highly anticipated, very stressful things for lots of people. Um, I know everyone's been throwing curveball after curveball over these past couple of years with changing formats of the GAMSAT. I mean, in terms of the format, Aaron, the, it was sort of, somewhat of a return to some form of normalcy, return wasn't it? Form. I don't know. You know. I loathe to think that there are some people <laughs> here sitting the GAMSAT online who remember the paper version. I think we're, we're finally out of the woods where... The dinosaurs are all yeah, the dinosaurs long since deceased. ...moved onto greener pastures, um, uh, so to, to new tropical forests, and now most of the people sitting the GAMSAT are typing and, and, and using... Millennials. ...for paper. Yeah, millennials. <laughs> oh, millennials. Anyway, so, yeah. what, so what, what happened then, Aaron? Um, so they're, they're refining the GAMSAT format. Um, mm. They're tweaking, so there was a bit of an extension in terms of the time, in terms of the questions... Uh, by and large, we're still looking at section one and two bulk together or break, and then there's section three. By and large, we're still looking at you know upwards of, of 100 questions total across multiple sections and two essays that you have to write within an hour. And is this in was this in a testing center at home? Where were people doing the games? Yeah, so there was a, it was in a testing center, and of course there were multiple ways of sitting. So no more good old days if everybody sits at once. Um, and there's mm-hmm. this discussion of piling into the yeah. exam hall at you know one of the race courses yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. across but Australia. But don't you worry, just because it's across multiple days doesn't mean there's not lots and lots of delays. <laughs> um, you know the the testing centres will find a way to screw up your day by, by taking <laughs> an eternity to get you in the hall, and then of course technical problems, and you've just got to keep cool as a cucumber because that's the most important thing. Stress, right? Stress management. That's exactly the day. right. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, you're there to do your best. If it takes a bit longer, that's their issue to manage, right? You, you're there to get tested, and it's in their interest to get your score because they're looking for the best candidates. So don't worry about your scores being lost or any issues with the computer system. They will sort it out for you. They're a multi-million dollar company, multi-billion dollar company. I'm not about billions, but they're... Yeah, I don't know. We, we have no insider data on, on Aces Financials. That's the official I mean, they have a lot of my money. So. Yeah, that's true, unfortunately. Um, so... So they, okay, so people, ha- they, they took their exams, they did it in separate times. 
what about the actual exam themselves? Like, yeah. what we, we had our normal section one, two, three. What happened with section one, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's have a chat about section one and remind you guys about how section one works. So of course, it's a fairly straightforward humanities section. Straightforward, of course, not in the sense that it's easy, but straightforward in the sense that it's um, easy to understand what you have yeah, to do. Yeah, nothing straightforward about it. Yeah, anyways. nothing straightforward about answering the questions, but you, know, you read the text, you answer the question. And again, mm. we've talked a little bit about uh, the techniques that you can engage with in section one, and there's plenty of free content on our website to, to look into. But what happened this time around? Well, this time around, I think we saw the return of the quintessential section one. Uh, so Fraser's usually does a big data collection at the end of every season, and we mull through people's results, um, you know, those that are willing to contribute, uh, and we do a big mathematical statistical analysis. But so far, the data, uh, data collection, I should say, uh, those who elected to help with our data collection, mm. um, so, so uh, we're very grateful for that. Um, this anecdotal evidence seems to suggest that um, we're back to the tight distribution curve. And what I mean by that is we've got to remember that Section 1, by and large, people do reasonably well. They come out of it feeling like they've done reasonably well. And the reason is most people do reasonably well, right? Most the, the range of scores is really, really narrow unless you're not some poet genius who's going to blitz through section one and get an incredible score. Hmm. You know, we're sitting at sort of 60s, 50s, maybe some low 70s. That's where most people sit with their section one. And based on, again, anecdotal evidence, what seems to happen, what seemed to happen in March 2022 is most exam sitters found section one very doable in the sense that they finished it with time to spare, you know, anywhere mm -hmm. between 10 to 30 minutes or at least finished it on time, comfortably didn't need to guess any questions. So when we talk about GAMSAT questions, I usually like to seed them into three categories. We have questions that you smash out of the ballpark, you know, you do the question like, yeah, 100% certain or 90% certain. Then there's the next category of question where you get 50-50, you know, you're, you've eliminated 50% of the multiple choice answers and the other 50% you're you know, you're sort of fairly confident about, but you don't really know which one it is. Mm. And then there's the blind guesses. The blind guesses usually, people are usually surprised to hear, but usually there's only three or four blind guesses. So usually we're about... Three, three or four blind guesses three or per, per, per 10 per, questions? Per, per or paper. Per, per paper. paper. Oh. So, you know, you sit, let's say, 60 GAMSAT questions, and maybe 30 to 40%, maybe 30% probably you're very confident in. And there's, you know... Everything after that, the remaining, you know, 65% that you're maybe sitting at a 50-50 confidence level at, mm. and then the rest are usually guesses, right? Mm. That's when you're running out of time and you just go CCCC or ABAB, right? Yeah. Um, so most people actually completed this paper. They had no guesses based wow. on the information that we have, which is pretty good. Not to say that everybody, you know, hit it out of the park. It just means that this was a true-to-form section one section. Everybody's going to be sitting in a very, very tight bell curve, not very much room, not very much spread, and therefore not very much room to outperform your peers. So mm -hmm. you just need to get over the line here, over that 50, be a contender, and of course, do as well as you can, but let's not expect 90s, I think, this season. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's never expect 90s <laughs> unless we're geniuses, but as a general rule, I think that the curve was very narrow, and it's going to be very hard to distinguish yourself, um, considering that everybody probably did quite well, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Tight bell curve. Uh, yeah. Most people finding the exam reasonably doable. Yeah. Um, and they got through all the questions, which, you know, it says more than what I was able to do <laughs> for my section. Next time, ruin your credibility on the podcast. <laughs> the world will know. You'll get your medical uh, license yeah. revoked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if we now steer the conversation away from section mm. one, Aaron, to section two, because I think 
oh, while you say that section one is not a place to distinguish yourself necessarily, particularly in this exam, mm. uh, even though, and we'll go into it in later episodes when we're talking about applications and things, how important section one really is becoming. Section two, on the other hand, is a place where you can definitely distinguish yourself in the GAMSAT. Mm, for sure, for sure. I think if we come back to this conversation about bell curves, and I, sorry, I'm sorry for you know, piling maths onto you guys. As I mean, if you don't know what a bell curve is, ladies and gentlemen, definitely go and, go and, yeah, get, I mean, go and, go and look into it for section three. <laughs> that's a section three tidbit for you guys. Yeah. If, we get, if you get that question right, you can maybe um, yeah, chuck us a like on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever we do, what, what do we, what can we do for brand promotion? I don't know. Buy, just, just come find me and buy me yeah, a coffee at some yeah, point. Buy, or... buy me a coffee. That's one gamsat point to you guys. Um, but yeah, speaking of bell curves, um, the bell curve for section two is a little bit wider than section one. So the fact that there's more spread means it's a little bit easier, statistically speaking, to distinguish yourself. Mm. Um, so we shouldn't be looking to get over the line in section two unless you have a really hard time writing. And even then, you should probably, you know, maybe start preparing a little bit earlier because section two is a place where you can really gain some points. So Definitely. section two, interestingly enough, let, let's think back to our GAMSATs, Mitch. Mm. When you were writing your section two essay, were you confident about the quotes? Did you read them and you were like, yep, I understand exactly what this is talking about? I mean, I didn't understand all of them in like in high detail, but I understood what the themes were or what the, the quotes were trying to get at. Mm. Having said that, though, now, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm, I should really do a tongue twister before these episode guys, <laughs> episodes, guys. Um, so the benefit of hindsight, having mm. passed the, the GAMSAT exam and, and been through medical school, uh, do you feel like when you were sitting there in that hall... You were writing an essay and you had no idea what you were saying in that essay. You were just like using words, you know? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pressure to try and sound smart in your, in your essay. So you're, you're trying to come across as though you, you have some, I don't know, deep way of thinking Profound. about something. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember being like, God, just, you know, th- think up something good here. Come on, something good. And, um, and I, don't, I don't know that necessarily anything good <laughs> came out. But... Um, I think one of the things that I, I remember about Section 2 was just trying to keep it simple, trying to think of an argument that makes sense and then trying to lay it out in a way that I felt that someone who wasn't super across a topic but, you know, still reasonably intelligent could follow. And 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 that's, Here we are. And that's what happened. Yeah, so, guys, I want, I want you to pay really close attention to that question that I sprung on Mitch um, I, I didn't actually prepare this one. Mitch didn't know I was going to ask him this before the, the recording of the podcast, but Mitch said that he wanted to come across reasonably intelligent and make it sound good such that a person would be able to follow, to follow the arguments in a straightforward manner. Now, if we got some layperson to write an essay on the topic of ophthalmoplegia, for example, or some other technical medical term, and they had no training in it, we'd get a word salad back. And from a medical perspective, anybody would be able to tell that this person really has no idea what they're talking about, right? And you've got to be weary of that. So when you write an essay using some technical term that you're not familiar with, and you're trying to talk around the term and engage with the term in your essay, but you really don't know what this term means, it's going to be really, really obvious to anybody who has the slightest inkling of what that word that you're engaging with means. It's going to be very clear to that person that you don't really know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's GAMSAT poison. Because, again, in a hospital, if you weren't sure about something, you're not going to you know, 
<laughs> but you know, write write prose, wax lyrical about it in front of your patients, or even worse, in front of your boss. That's dangerous, mm. right? You want to be clear, straightforward, and within the bounds of sort of your understanding. Exactly. Yeah, of your the understanding, topic. your logic. Mm. So, and the reason why I bring this up is because, of course, one of the the essay topics that was brought up in this March GAMSAT was capitalism. Uh, for those of you who had the great misfortune of writing about this term, and I actually thought this was a brilliant decision on behalf of ASA because. Um, they sort of everybody played into this this trap. Now, Mitch, how many capitalism essays have we read across our time and in, in phrases from our students, even on topics that weren't directly? I mean, capitalism is a very common theme, isn't it's, it? Really, it's very common. But we we get like an onslaught of these essays, right? Every, every man and his dog writes a capitalism essay, right? Mm-hmm. I think between the two of us, we probably marked easily hundreds, if not not thousands, <laughs> of capitalism themed essays. And the most astounding thing about these essays is that people seem to really not have a good definition for what capitalism is. I, I've seen all sorts of different, you know, diff- definitions of you know why it's bad, why it's evil, why it's good, why it will save mankind. Mm. But the word itself really has no emotional component attached to it. It's an economic theory. So I'm going to put Mitch on the spot here. <laughs> Another question that we didn't quite prepare for. Let's see if he gets it right. If he doesn't get it right, we'll cut it out of the podcast. <laughs> so um, I guess, Mitch, what, what is the definition of capitalism? So capitalism, take five now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've recorded the joke about yeah, 10 yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitch just keeps getting it wrong. I keep explaining it to him and he can't. No, we're kidding. Um, uh, so, yeah, so. Ca- capitalism is... I mean, as as the name suggests, I think is is all about acquiring capital. And what's capital? Capital is 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 essentially stuff, mm-hmm. um, and that stuff can be assets, uh, money. You know, all these things that you can use to to do things for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and Mitch is very financially minded. So all of you out there in the stonk market, while you're preparing for for Gamsat. Uh, might appreciate that definition, but but for people like me, it's owning stuff. It's it's private property, really. That's all it is. Mm. And you know, people would argue that private property creates evil. People argue that private property creates good. But at the end of the day, these opinions have really nothing to do with what the definition of capitalism. Because capitalism is. in itself is just a thing, isn't it? It's it's, it's an economic theory, right? Like it's it's, a, it's an idea, exactly. Idea. And ideas aren't innately. Evil, you know. Well, it's, some ideas are innately, I mean, <laughs> you know, but but capitalism is not. I think of yeah. it like science, you know, like yeah. the, the 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 science itself is an evil, but what you do with it can, you know, yeah. as a, exploit as people. Thought. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that is a very very important distinction to make because a lot of people, a again, didn't know what capitalism was and wrote a, around the word. And, and my impression is that there was a lot of fluff about you know the emotions associated with capitalism discussed in this Gamsat season, but. Another thing is that people drew connections and made assumptions about what the implication of the word capitalism is. So they would write an essay where there was an assumption that capitalism is good or bad. And that's really, really terrible because you're, you're effectively making statements in your essay that aren't explained. Mm. It, again, pick a term, any term. Like if, if I wrote an essay on ophthalmoplegia and all my essay did was, was talk about the evils of ophthalmoplegia without ever actually discussing what it is. That wouldn't be very useful and that wouldn't be very good communication, would it, Mitch? But, I mean, I agree with you. But mm. if I were to play devil's advocate here, mm. I mean, don't you need to be argumentative with these section? I'm assuming that's a section A. Um, or like a yeah, part more A technical, question. Less, less emotional, yeah. Um, look, you're absolutely right. You do have to be argumentative, but your argument has to start 
at, at a good baseline. There needs to be a good entry point. Mm. You can't make a bunch of assumptions before you begin your argument because then the reader gets lost. You know, you, you start with all of these implied ideas. It's, it's like starting a conversation from the middle. Mm. Imagine if you started listening to this podcast from the middle and we just expected you to know everything that we talked about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Now, most of it was probably rubbish. Especially if you don't. Especially <laughs> if you don't actually know yeah. what you're talking about to begin with. Yeah, I get exactly, what you're talking yeah. about, where you need to have mm. a launch pad of sound understanding. Mm. And um, and I think that, harking back to my original mm. sort of wade into section two, the it's it's this idea that you don't you don't have to be you know the the best you know economist to talk about capitalism. You just have to talk from a standpoint where you actually have some form of foundation. And then use that as a as a reference to then begin, you know, your logical argument and mm. walk the person through your ideas. And if you're able to do that, then you're able to show your logic and you're able to show your communication skills. And I think that's where you'll, you know, start to earn some points. Exactly, exactly. And and the next logical question to answer, I guess, is what do you do if you absolutely have no idea what capitalism is? Well, you have to start with what you do know. What do you do know? So if you know that it's to do with economics then I guess you're writing an essay about economics. You're going to say, in you know, the modern world, economics, including capitalism, has been very important. And then you write an essay about what mm-hmm. economics means to you. Mm-hmm. I don't mean on a personal level, dear diary, this is what economics means to me. But you describe your understanding of the situation and what underpins your understanding. Mm. But it's also, I mean, other things. Capitalism is geo, like geography. It's geography, ge- Geopolitics. Yeah. Um, I mean, so if you're not a, if you don't want to talk about economics at all, you can always talk about you know, other things that are linked to the topic. Mm-hmm. And is so long as there's uh, some, you know, quote theme that you can use to latch on in which to start your argument, you would have been fine in that, in that sort of episode. Um, not episode, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that episode, yeah. That episode <laughs> of The Game Set. 2022. <laughs> season 22 or whatever, however long they've been running it. Um, yeah, precisely. And, and taking a step further back still, right, a lot of the time students ask me, well, I know nothing about nothing. And I reply, well, that's just not true, right? You don't, you know, sit in your home on your couch 24-7. You do things with your life. You've made at least one decision. I mean, gosh, if you're listening to this podcast, that's a decision that you've made, mm-hmm. right? And I'm assuming that behind that decision, there's 20 other decisions as to why you want to go to medical school or, or dentist, dental school or why you want to study at a particular university or anything else that you want to do with your life. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do a little bit of introspection, and ask yourself, what do I believe, right? What's, what's my worldview? And how is capitalism or economics or, or the essay that you're writing in that very minute related to your worldview? And once you have that connection, you need to express it in section two. But writing about things that you don't understand with an essay full of gibberish where you're trying to sound smart, nothing sounds less smart. It's very, very obvious. And it's a surefire way to, to score yourself a very, very low section two mark you know the the curve is is fairly narrow people have a fairly standard range of scores mm. but that's a really really good way to distinguish yourself mm. on the wrong side of the curve if yeah, you write definitely. an essay that you don't i mean I've, I've read yeah. plenty of essays from people who aren't necessarily like they don't have the best you know ideas necessarily they're not the strongest you know economist etc but they can lay out a logical argument and the fact that they do that really well means that they get good marks yeah yeah for sure okay Aaron, let's shift the conversation over to section three now. Mm. So what, 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 what happened there? What, what happened in section three? God, I don't know. I wasn't there. No, just kidding. Uh, well, I wasn't there, but we've, again, we've <laughs> They don't consulted. let them sit again. Sit again. Yeah, they don't let me sit. I, I keep telling them that I love it so much. I keep coming back, but they said just don't let me. No, um, I'm pretty sure we can't anymore 
for, for legal reasons, which we won't go into. Um, <laughs> yeah, you guys can dig that up. Um, so section three, what happened? Um, section three, again, notoriously difficult section. Um, if we talk about percentages, which again, are going to be fairly arbitrary, but to give you guys a sense of what we're sitting, um, people, again, 20% of the questions they probably are very confident in. There's a huge chunk in the middle where we get to 50-50 or maybe, you know, eliminate one answer um, and you have to pick out of three. I wouldn't call those guesses. Maybe they're informed guesses. I'll say they're pretty close to a guess. I mean, if you're usually one of the questions is fairly off-piste mm. and then the remaining three are on somewhat. And yeah. then if you, can, if you can get down to a 50-50, you're starting to get mm. in the ballpark. But at one to three, mm. that's still... Still, still fairly, fairly poor effort. Okay, 50-50. But either way, the, these are questions where you've put some logical work in. There's, there's been mm. some heavy lifting by your brain. It's not, mm. you know, picking something in the dark. You've analyzed the, the text. You've analyzed the content. You've, you know, tried to piece together the pieces of information, and, and you've come up with something, mm. uh, right or wrong, but there is some effort. Mm. That's a huge chunk. I would say almost the majority of GAMSAT questions um, because that's the nature of any IQ exam, right? You, you have to come up with some sort of novel logic and apply it. And then there's the, the section three blind guesses, which usually happen when people run out of time. That's when you're going CCC, um, as we mentioned before with section one, um, when you're completely just shooting in the dark. Um, usually when people are time stressed, they tend to guess more. I think that's that's fairly logical. Mm. No, no groundbreaking information there. Um, but... The way that these these three types of question answers distribute within a particular GAMSAT sitting gives us a pretty good idea of how hard Section 3 is. Mm. And this time around, Section 3 was pretty brutal from what we heard. So we're talking, you, you know, up to 15, 10 absolute blind guesses. It's not so bad. You know, some people even had three, four blind guesses. That's pretty good. But that area in the middle, that 50-50 that I'm, on, I'm a bit uncertain. I know two of these options are wrong, two of these options are right, was huge. Yeah, so it, it really took up, I'd say, maybe 80% of the exam according to... Which will book. blow out the distribution because, I mean, Absolutely. if you're 50 if you're 50-50ing A and B mm-hmm. and you do that 30 times in the exam, then there's going to be a 15. Mm. I mean, potentially there's a, a 30 question, but it's unlikely. Yeah. I mean, there's likely going to be, you know, quite a, a fairly wide distribution of answers there, mm. isn't there? Yeah. Absolutely. And what that tells us is, is actually that Acer is getting better at their game. I mean, understandable. They've been in it for a while. Um, they are uh, a research consortium. They are a research consortium, and they do the, the real pre-admission game, not like us. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, what is it, Cochrane-reviewed pre-admission game, the, the, the good technical are you, stuff. Are you questioning the robustness of my science? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of our anecdotal evidence collection? Um, no, 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 no. We, we just haven't done any systematic analysis for 22 years. We'll, we'll get there. Season 22 of the Pre-Admission Game podcast. Did you say for 22 years or for 22, for 2022 GAMSAT? 2022. Well, they've had over 20 years, I think, of experience. We've had... Oh, yeah, two. right. So okay. by 2044, the Pre-Admission Game podcast... I understand what you're podcast, saying. I thought you were yeah. saying we hadn't done any systematic analysis ever. <laughs> no, no, no. We have. Just not to the extent that ASA has. Of course. So... Um, yeah, anyway, back back on topic after that <laughs> slight detour. Uh, section 3. So Section 3, there was a big blowout, which means less people felt confident. That, mm. that area of confidence really shrunk. And the reason why that means ACER is getting better is because you, as, as a cohort, you guys sitting the March GAMSAT, experienced 
more instances of scenarios where you had to come up with creative logic, where it wasn't black and white and you had to think your way through a scenario and come up with an answer. That's mm. distinctly different from knowing what the answer is. It's not a mathematical sum. This is a situation where you navigated a text and you had to interpret it. There was some hardcore interpretation there. We mm. had to say, this means this, and therefore this, and that's why I choose option B. Gosh. And it just kind of reminds me of the day when, when we did our games mm. at Aaron. We, they would, Acer was just moving away from that, you know, learn the biology textbook or the chemistry textbook syllabus, mm. and then you will have the tools for GAMSAT. Mm. And I, I mean, I can only imagine what it is now. They must be so far removed from that, it's not even funny. Mm. So you've got the situation where now people are saying, I have no idea, you know, what, what these questions are. It doesn't relate to any of my learned, you know, content. Mm. But th- they don't actually need content per se for mm. these types of questions, do they? Yeah. Why is that exactly? Well, we've said it once. We, we, you know, if we said it once, we said it a thousand times. We're going to keep saying it. So <laughs> a lot of the people have this knee-jerk reflex, even to this exam, where they were like, oh, God, I encountered this amino acid question, which was brutally hard. And I felt like if I went back and I learned some mm. more amino acids, I'd be able to answer it. But again, we're going to bring up this point that we've made in previous GAMSATs. Acer tells you that you have to learn first-year biology to perform well in the GAMSAT. Now, I'm not going to mention things like the fact that the amino acids are predominantly learned in second-year biochemistry, certainly in most Victorian universities, so nothing to do with, with first-year. But more to the point... There's no such thing as a first-year biology syllabus. Each university runs a myriad, multiple, multiple biology subjects, right? Mm. Acer GAMSAT doesn't specify which first-year biology you have to learn. You could be learning, you know, biology uh, from an environmental science perspective or from a biomedical science perspective, and those two topics have barely anything in common. Mm. So do not for a second think that the difficulty of this GAMSAT will be remedied by more time spent learning the ins and outs, the technical biology, chemistry, and physics. That's Mm. not true. There is an upper limit to how much is useful. The familiarity is useful, but everything else, it's it's all IQ. And I think think that that, what you said then was really good. The the fact that you said uh, you need a familiarity, and and I think that's really true. That's where the the first-year biology syllabus comes in, because you need to know what an amino acid roughly is. Because if you've, say, you've done a law degree or you've done you know, something else, maybe you're a whiz on capitalism, but you don't know anything about amino acids. If, you don't, if it's your first time seeing an amino acid on paper or even hearing about it, obviously you're going to find it difficult. But if you have some form of familiarity, as you've said, you, you've, you've sort of dealt with them in the past, you've, um, you know, at that point, you should be ready to tackle the questions. And then you need to start thinking about the skills that you need to tackle these questions rather than going back to the books and, you know, coming up with some, you know, year three, I don't know, or just, you know, the list, the, the syllabus goes on for biology and chemistry and physics. I mean, learning more knowledge, as you say, will not get you further in the GAMSAT. You need to learn these GAMSAT-specific skills. Another way of thinking about it is that there's potentially an infinite number of combinations of things that I could teach anybody under the guise of first-year biology, mm. literally. We can, just, we can just pull things out of the hat and arrange them in such a way that it will make a 12-week course mm. um, and, and just teach it to people. God, an infinite number of biology subjects would never help <laughs> you with GAMSAT. So, yes, this was very, very hard, but it was very, very hard because there was a lot of hardcore technical interpretations. And, again, some of the things that came out to play were graphs, my understanding is, again, as a person who hasn't sat at this season for 
legal reasons, <laughs> <laughs> mysterious reasons. Um, one of the, the the things that that comes into play is that there's a ma- there's a massive question set, mm. right? And and there's some degree of randomization between exams, so the cheating can't occur. So, for example, you might not have the exact same question set as your friend did, right? Mm. Um, I'm not sure to what degree that's corroborated, but it makes fairly good sense to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was pretty widely held when we did it Mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. And there was even some of that on paper. So um, effectively, what that means is that it's phrases. So phrases is aware of the fact that that ASA is is moving more and more into this IQ territory, not only in, in the questions themselves, but also in how they arrange the question paper. You've got to remember that the way the question paper is built, the sequence of questions Right, is made to make your mind jump back and forth between topics and it's meant to confuse you and make you think quickly and react quickly to changes in circumstances the way you would if you were <clears throat> working in a hospital environment. And I think one of the reasons why they love this online GAMSAT as well is not just because they don't have to print out thousands of pieces of paper <laughs> and then you know pay um, you know little ladies and men to, to walk up and down the aisles and, and collect these stacks and transport yeah, them. Yeah. It's also because it makes it harder for you to jump through the paper. Navigating the system, you're, you're sort of almost forced a little bit to click through the questions in order or in some semblance of order, which forces you into the ASA game plan of doing questions in a particular sequence to tie your brain out, Whoa. which is another contributor. It's another contributor to what makes this gaps out harder than previous GAMSATs, that they're really they're learning. You know, it's what second, third year of them doing online GAMSATs and they're getting better and better into getting you to play their games. Absolutely. And yeah. it's all just a test of trying to, you know, separate the geese from the ducks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Which one's more valuable? I have no ducks? idea. I prefer yeah. ducks. Geese yeah. are mean. Yeah. You're quite hostile. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> so, and, you know, and as they get better, of course, at, at uh, tailoring the, the GAMSAT to, to cause excruciating pain and challenge, we're going to get better at giving you tips and advice. So um, hang in there for, for a few more future episodes. But essentially, that's, that was the GAMSAT 2020. I mean, that's it until yeah. September. So we'll, we'll definitely, if we're, if we're still rolling, then we'll... Season four, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going through. If we haven't gone into another lockdown and can't record... <laughs> <laughs> I'm touching wood right now, ladies and gentlemen. But it'd be, it, you know, hopefully we um, will give you more content about other things coming up in the application timeline. Uh, so you have all the right information exactly. ready to go at your fingertips for applications, interviews, getting into med school 2023. 2023. And, and one of the first things that you should do is have a troll through the Phrases website for all of our free content. You know, you might be familiar with things like our quote generator, but there's lots of other good stuff in there. And of course, all of the previous pre-admission game episodes where we interview our leads um, and we have a chat about GAMSAT strategies, all very, very useful. But yeah, like Mitch said, we're aiming for six seasons and a movie. Can you imagine <laughs> pre-admission and a cartoon movie? anime spin-off. And a, yeah, cartoon anime. Maybe we can get a Netflix deal. Do you reckon they'll, they'll fund a Netflix GAMSAT pre-admission game show? I Let, think it'd be who cool. knows, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like. Anyway, well, let's hope to God that never happens. Uh, so <laughs> this has been the pre-admission game. Thank you all for listening so much. Uh, we're very excited to be back for our third season, and mm. we'll have some more good content for you in the coming weeks. Meanwhile, stay cool and keep listening. See ya. See ya. See ya.